it, Red Arms. Give it your all. We'll drink the wine till the cup is dry and kiss the girls and then the cry and toss the dice until we fly and dance with Jack of the Shadows. And welcome back to another episode of Tales of Red Arm. I am one of your hosts, Justin. I'm the other one, James. And we are in the final chapter of the first book of the Wheel of Time. Chapter 53. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah. Chapter 53, sorry, sorry. The Wheel Turns. <laughs> and the interruption of James. <laughs> well, you know, ha also had to as, do it. So. Also known as James the Interrupter. <laughs> of course. If you had to. At least that's what you said. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> um, so yeah, uh, quick recap of the last chapter. Um, Rand survived his encounter with Baalzaman. Um, couldn't remember everything quite normally, and then slowly regained back his memories. Uh, went and saw Moraine and even Egwene. Found out they knew about him channeling, and he realized he channeled. Um, use the one power. Um, the other guys went to go see what happened to the Eye of the World because it disappeared and there was this crystal column with some steps up to it and turns out there's a chest with a horn inside of it which turned out to be the Horn of Illyr <clears throat> as well as um, also having the banner of the dragon um, aka the Lord of the Morning's dra dragon banner and Luz Theron Telamon, also known as the Kinslayer, the guy who took the Hunter Companions to go seal away the Dark One and everything. So, yeah, that guy. Um, so they find all this stuff, and they're like, hey, we're going to get out of here before the Blight takes over. And that was kind of their resting point. They were resting before they jumped into the Blight to get out of there. So we're going to start now, Chapter 53, The Wheel Turns. So... Dawn pops up, and the Green Man's Garden is typically really lush and alive, but because the Green Man's presence is no longer here, it's starting to add a bit of death into the, the scheme of things. Um, flowers are pretty much gone. Um, most living things are dying or dead already. Um, basically the green man's grave is this very very small area that actually is somewhat preserved but it seems to be slowly getting taken over um, Rand climbs into Red's saddle and is thinking in his head like it shouldn't be this way blood and ashes we won you know he's he's upset clearly like the blight should be driven back everything should Everything should go back to normal before the blight and everything. Um, and Egwene's mounting Bella and is sad and mentions that she wished the Green Man had found his other place. Because he was constantly like moving and whatnot. Like The only reason he was here is because he was asked and was tasked to uh, protect this location and whatnot. And... Land made a litter to pull behind Bella and Aldeeb to carry Moraine. And Nynaeve would ride holding Aldeeb's reins and 
Nynaeve would drop her eyes when Lan glances at her, which she thinking, you know, the lover spat and everything like that. I'm a poet, didn't know it. Um, but, you know, everyone knew who he was when we knew he was the Green Man. Then suddenly Loyal, looking at this oak here, is demand like pronounces it it's not right and he's not mounted granted he's still taller than them when they are mounted but it's not right that tree brother should fall to the blight Lo loyal's a poet and didn't know it um so you know he hands his huge horse reins to ran he's like it's not right you know he's like getting kind of in a huff and land opens his mouth as the ogier walks by, but Moraine, you know, just raised her hand and Land didn't say anything. So then Loyal kneels beneath the uh, oak and closes his eyes, puts out his arms, and he starts to sing. And from Rand's perspective, he couldn't tell if there were words or if it was just pure song. And in a rumbling voice, as if the earth sang, he was not sure... If he heard the birds trilling again, spring breezes sighing softly, the sound of butterfly wings. Like, it's it's an amazing song that you just get lost into. And it only lasted a couple minutes, but Loyal lowers his arms and opens his eyes. And surprised to see the sun stood well above the horizon. So he had been there for a while, even though it felt like it was a short time. Um, they had been touching the trees when they started. Now it's pretty high up so it's a good couple hours and uh, now the leaves in the oak seem to be a bit more greener and more connected than they were before and all of the flowers that are around the base of the oak stood a little bit straighter and they looked more fresh for like the morning stars and the lovers knots had a deeper red to them um loyal rose you know wiping the sweat away from his brow um, took his reins from Rand and was like, I've never sung so hard before. I could not have done it if something of Tree Brother was not still there. My tree songs do not have his power. And then he gets in his saddle and then he looks back at the oak and has a look of satisfaction when he looks at the flowers. And he's like, this little space, at least, will not sink into the blight. The blight will not have Tree Brother. <laughs> this part was actually kind of funny because he's like, Land compliments him and says, you know, you're a good man, Ogier. And Loyal grins at him. He's like, I'll take that as a compliment, but I do not know what Elder Hamid would say. <laughs> and a little inside joke. It's obviously the silliness of, you are a good man, pause, Ogier. <laughs> so he's not a man. He's an Ogier. Uh, but at the same time, from Loyal's perspective, being a good man and something coming of it means it more like it's he's being hasty. So it's a little, little different. Um from the perspective of the ogier from what men would typically see it as but um they end up you know enjoying that little joke slash compliment um and they ride away in single file with matt behind land where he could use his bow if needed and parents in the back with the axe and you know they crest the hill and then the blights all of a sudden around them and all this rotted decay basically desolation and they look over back but the green man's garden's just disappeared it's just it's gone um and now there's only a uh there's only a 
little bit of what was left of the Green Man's Garden, and now it's just completely out of the picture. Um, he thought for a moment he saw the towering top of an oak tree, but then it kind of just shimmers and gone. Um, and now that they're in the blight, they're expecting, you know, worms to pop up out of nowhere, or the trees to try to attack them again, or the creatures to come out amongst the trees and attack them and each other again. But nothing is going on. It's deadly quiet. Nothing, like, a, not a single tree branch quivered. No screams, no howls, no, like, whether it was close to them or clear on the other side of the blight. Nothing is happening. And it, the blight seems to be laying low, not trying to like attack, but like hiding, like something, something went down that caused a great disturbance in the force, if you will. Um, so, you know, they go by the lakes and everything that they had previously gone by and they didn't even go by the lakes to see the ginormous monstrosity that is your favorite, James, if you recall. <laughs> yes centipede swimming arch yeah not, not a fan just no <laughs> i don't need that in my life i mean i think you need it in your life you know you can have all those hands give you hugs they can shake your hand no maybe, maybe just a couple, no maybe a couple insect heads or human insect heads or oh, i don't remember the description thing that's just how i picture it in my brain <laughs> no, no, just just kill me, please. Just. I mean, you could kill <laughs> it, but I mean that might be too simple. So yeah. <laughs> anyway. You know, just from the description, I think something like that probably doesn't die easily. So. Yes, but that doesn't mean it can't be killed. Anyway. Um, if, it, if it bleeds, it can die. <laughs> if it bleeds, we can kill it. Um. So yeah, they're they're moving around the seven towers, but they. They feel like the jagged tops are further from the ground and above them almost like the seamless towers gleaming in the sun. Banners of the golden crane flying in the wind. So it's, it's like visualizing what these towers should look like, but how they don't currently look like. It's just kind of like an illusion. Um, and then Land picks a campsite and the ladies uh, sit down and set up wards, but the Aes Sedai, you know, talks to, is whispering to them and telling them what to do, and Nynaeve and Elaine help put the wards together. And then, you know, Matt and Perrin are staring, and Rand notices this, and he's like, well, they're surprised, I mean. And in his head, Rand's like, every woman is an Aes Sedai. The light helped me, so am I. <laughs> and I'm starting to notice all these stinking rhymes that he's putting in here with intentionally doing so he, he's spending too much time with uh loyal at the moment so i know right um and then perrin asks Egwene and nynaeve or asks as Egwene and nynaeve help more into the base like why is it different like you know it feels weird in the blight and moraine's like well we struck a mighty blow at the dark one the shadow will be a long time to recover. And that's like, how? Like, what, what did, what, did we do anything? Like, what did, what did we do? And where he's like, you know, sleep, just chill, chill. We're not out of the blight yet. Let's get out of the blight at least first. So the next morning, nothing had changed that, you know, Rand noticed. And the blight's 
fading as they ride south. So twisted trees are replaced by straight and, you know, the, the unbearable heat was slowly going away and the rotting foliage eventually gave way to just diseased and then not diseased. Um, the forest around them's growing, you know, red with new growth, you know, feels like it's, things are sprouting, buds are sprouting, uh, creepers are covering the rocks with green, kind of like moss. Um, you got, you got a lot, a lot more life. It was basically like if the green man teleported over here and was walking into the blight, it was starting to like liven up a bit and everybody's staring at this and Moraine's like, yeah, it was definitely a mighty blow. Like it, the blight retreated a bit, like quite a bit. Um, so they come across, you know, or they, they, they come out of the blight officially are in this new area that shifted and there's a watchtower here and men come out of it and they're like a craziness to their laughter. And they're like, they're amazed and they're all like seeing the grass for like the first time in forever. And you know, they're yelling, you know, the light has conquered the shadow, a great victory in Tarwin's gap. We have had the message victory. The light blesses us again. And then, you know, land replies to them. is like, yeah, King Esar is strong on the light. And, the watchmen are trying to like they're like can we can we tend to her like whatever can we at least send us escort and she's like no 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 i'm good but even on her back in the litter her presence is enough to just like as you say i said die and um but they they're laughing and laughing and and eventually late late in the afternoon they reach faldara and they see this they see the grimwald city you know flowing with celebration so many people are excited so many people are you know going all crazy about like what happened at Tarwin's gap and um, excited about the growth and the life and everything. And Rand's like, it's ringing like literally. And I doubt there's probably a bell in the entire city. That's not being, you know, rang right now from the, the gongs and the tower tops to just little ones in the harnesses of horses. And the gates are wide open and, Men are running and singing in the streets, flowers stuck in their top knots and crevices in their armor, which seems a little weird from our pu- uh, our perspective and our viewpoint, but it's not unrealistic because I mean you gotta you gotta remember the the amount of like depression and the weightiness of what the blight does, like as it pushes in on you, it's it's quite tiresome. And since the common people haven't returned yet, this is just soldiers who have seen grim, grim things for most of their lives, if not their entire lives, and have fought against Trolloc hordes and whatnot, have lost companions and stuff consistently. And they're just, they're losing their minds and happiness and relaxation because it's, it's a relief to them. But... Uh... They're like, victory in the gap, we won. A miracle in the gap, the Age of Legends has come back. And this one was my favorite. A grizzled old soldier yells, spring! And he you know, hangs this huge garland of morning stars around Rand's neck, and he's got a top knot with white clusters of them. The light blesses us with spring once more. Like, these guys haven't seen spring in so long. Like, their springs have been winters. Now they're actually seeing green. Like, this is an emotional moment for these guys. Like... 
they're they're loving it and you know they they're going to the keep you know they got some circle of guys still uh pushing their way to uh get them to the keep and Ingtar is the first one that Rand sees that's not smiling. He's like, I was too late, as he talks to Lan. And he's like, too late by an hour to see peace. And he's like, forgive me. Grief makes me forget my duties. Welcome, Builder. Welcome to you all. It's good to see you safely out of the blight. I'll bring the healer to Marine Sedai in her chambers and inform Lord Agalmar. And Marine's like, eh, 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 eh. take me straight to Lord Agalmar. Take us all. And Ingtar's like, uh, he opens his mouth and her look makes him snap his teeth shut and bowels and he's like, ah, this way. So they go to Agamar in his study and he's got like everything, like his swords and armor back on the racks. And, you know, this is the second person that's not smiling. Like everybody else, except for Ingtar and Agamar apparently is happy and these guys are not. He has a troubled frown and, you know, he's thinking and thought and he sees Moraine and he's like, he starts like, what's going on? And, you know, Loyal's carrying the golden chest and she, Moraine still has the little pieces of the seal and the banner wrapped up. Um, and the everything was supposed to be sent to her rooms and not to be touched because that's where the dragon banner and everything was. So... Agomar's like, peace, are you injured, Moraine Sedai? And he rounds on Ingtar, like, why didn't you see Sedai die before he brought her? And before Ingtar can, like, do anything, Agomar's, like, told by Moraine, like, yeah, be still, it's okay, I I told him to do this. I'm not that frail, but everyone seems to think I am. And, you know, two women help her into a chair, and, you know, telling her about she should be in a warm bed have a healer brought maybe a hot bath and she's like lifts her eyebrows like excuse me and they're like they <laughs> get really quiet really quickly um and you know then she waves them away and she's like i would speak with you lord agomar so agomar nods and ingtar waves the servants from the room and then you know agomar is eyeing everyone who's still here which is literally the emmonsfield party as well as um loyal Moraine and Lan and he's also eyeing the golden chest and Moraine's like well we hear you guys heard a great you heard <laughs> we heard you guys had won a great victory in Tarwin's Gap and Agamar's like yeah yes we did but no we didn't um the half and Trollocs were destroyed to the last but we barely even fought and it's a miracle, my men call it. You know, the earth swallowed them, mountains buried them, and only a few Drakkar were left, too frightened to do else but fly north as fast as they could. And Moraine's like, hmm, a miracle indeed. <laughs> and spring has come back. He's like, yeah, but men say many things about what happened to the Gap, that the light took flesh and fought for us, that the creator walked in the Gap and struck at the shadow. He's like, but I saw a man, and I saw a man, what he did cannot be, must not be. And Moraine responds with just a, her typical, the wheel weaves as the wheel wills. And he's like, as you say. And then she asks about Padan Fane and if he was still secure and whatnot. She wants to speak with him after she's rested a bit. And he's like, well, he's held as you commanded and whining at his guards at the time and trying to command them the rest. But 
What of you and the blight? Did you find the green man? I see his hand and the gr things growing. And she's like, well, we found him, but he's dead. And the eye of the world is gone. And there will be no more quest for young men seeking glory. And then he's all of a sudden like, what? Dead? The green man? That can't be possible. Like, were you defeated? But the flowers and spring and growing stuff. It's like, well, we won, Lord Agamar. And the land is freed from the winter is proof. But I... I'm afraid the last battle's not been fought yet. Rand didn't s say anything, but as he tried, like, stirring in the corner, Moraine, like, gives him a sharp look, like, I dare you. <laughs> Open your mouth, Rand. <laughs> you have a bad habit, and you need to stop it, but I dare you. So he stops, and he doesn't say anything. He's like, the blight still stands. The forges of Thakandar will work below Sheogul. Um, there's plenty of half-men, countless Trollocs. Never think the need for watchfulness in the Borderlands is gone. And he's like, I did not think it's so. But then Moraine brings Loyal, or waves Loyal over to bring the chest over to her feet. And when he does, she opens it, revealing the horn. And then she's like, the Horn of Valir. And Agomar, like, loses his mind. Like, oh, what? And... <laughs> Ren thought the guy was going to kneel and, like, give homage or something to it. And Agamar's like, well, with that, it doesn't matter how many half-men or trollocs remain. Like, the heroes of the old come back from the tomb, will march to the Blasted Lands and level Shale Ghoul. And Agamar is shocked when Moraine shouts, no. And then kind of continues with a bit more calmness in her voice. She's like, I didn't show this to you to taunt you. But to show you that when whatever battles yet come, our might will be as great as that of the shadow. Its place is not here. It must be carried to Ilion. And if there is a fresh battle, um, if a fresh battle is threatened, it must rally the forces of the light. I'll ask an escort of your best men to see that it reaches Ilion safely. We have dark friends, and then there's still half-men and Trollocs. And those who come to the horn will follow whoever w uh, wins it. It must reach Ilion. And she's like, well, it'll be as you say, but he seems to like being denied that victory against the shadow is what it appears to him. So <clears throat> we have a little bit different of a, I mean, out of what we just went over, what would you say was the most interesting aspect to you? Think about it. Um, like, how do you feel about the reactions when they came back from the blight and what the Watchmen saw and everything? I think that's. I know. I think he like has a fair response for, um, you know, just like the he liked the victory at hand and also the sudden change of brought about here by the um, supposed defeat of the Dark One. The supposed defeat, huh? Well, I find it just a little too hard to believe that, you know, he's just gone for now. Are you saying it's a little hard to believe that in 15 books, in the first book, they beat the bad guy? <laughs> yeah, you know, unless it's like the, even, like the villain of the next one is the, the even darker one. <laughs> this is the dark one, but I am the darker one, and that's the darkest one over there. <laughs> you have to get to us to get to the ultimate boss. The black hole. 
Just, yeah, and it, it just keeps going. It's this big black hole that just sucks in all matter and light and atoms and stuff. It's like, yeah, oh, just, when did this turn into a science fiction? What happened? <laughs> yeah, the, 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 the entire story just here dissolves into just uh, Final Fantasy or whatever. So you're at the very end rant. It's just like super god mode fighting <laughs> against your like, infinite dark one. It's like or Dragon Ball Z. Like, Goku has to dark. fight... Goku has to fight the ultimate uh, destroyer of the universe. And then they find out, oh, this is the actual destroyer of the universe. Now you're going to work for him and fight against other destroyers of the universes from other universes. And those guys are going to fight you. And then the guys that they're fighting each other for are the people who can actually destroy the universes. <laughs> and then, it's like, wait a minute, wait a minute. How does this tier work? <laughs> if you just explained it like the plot of Dragon Ball Super. Just... <laughs> In like five seconds, basically. Um, how could you just you monster i am really really good how how dare you bring this into people's lives (laughs) because i want them to suffer (laughs) but i also do find it interesting like what uh lord akamar saw during the conflict and the events here that transpired because i know that he's like we covered like relatively recently but I wasn't entirely sure if it, the battle that Rand like sort of like interfered in. I wasn't entirely clear in my mind if it was like a event that was happening in the past or in the present or stuff like that. It was like a warping. Yeah. So I, he, I was in, got, he was in the borderlands I, I and he sure. warped to the tar Tarwin's gap. Yeah, I, I was just in my mind. It was like you know, I I. In the back of my mind, I was present. Like the thought that Tarwin's gap was still happening was present, but I was like, you know, but what if this is actually a conflict happening in the future or in the past or something like that? But you know, pro- probably just overthinking it. As usual. I don't know. I probably like overthink simple things and do like underthink the more complex things because I don't know. That that that's sort of just me. You don't say. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um. How how did you take Ingtar's kind of dejectedness that he missed out on participating? Well, he's 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 sort of like the sort of noble soldier archetype, the the sort of person who desires like glory and for glory stuff. and honor. Yeah, he he does seem like a sort of very honor bound or like honor focused character. I, I should say. Hmm. So he, you know, kind of feel a bit of remorse for. Uh, so you think he, he's just a little there. spiteful that he couldn't participate in the battle, but he also couldn't participate in the uh, search for the green man in the eye of the world. Yeah, I. Yeah, I kind of, kind of just put out like I wouldn't say like I don't know, maybe that maybe like you know that could be seeds of seeds of negativity in the future but you know I, don't, I, don't I think he wants to participate in part to prove himself but also to I, mean, I think glory plays a large portion of like a noble in general for like even even the honorable ones of the, of the borderlands in the north I think it's more of a um like He's wanting to participate and being denied that 
feels shameful to him. More so than the exhilarant feeling that the other soldiers are having about the fact that they just were successful. Like there's those who are like, yeah, we're successful, even if they were in the back of the army, never actually got to actually charge or anything. And then you have the those who weren't even there, but were a little salty that they couldn't at least even be there. Like they thought like, well, if I was there, I'd be on the front lines charging in. It's like, well, maybe, but it depends on how the battle goes. But they couldn't even see like what happened with the earth swallowing up. So maybe they feel uh, slighted by that or something. I don't know. There's a lot of possibilities. I could see them not being so pleasant about in terms of what they're missing at. What did you think about Agomar and his reaction to the horn? Well, again, he's again he's sort of coming at here from like the position of a soldier. He's just like, "Oh, this is a great boon. We 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 must we must use this to, you know, put put the Dark One to the sword and you know, sorry, Shao Ghoul to the sword because you know, if the Dark One's dead, wink, 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 that's that's a a." As a Manipathan reference for those who are uncultured. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uncultured spine. <laughs> I was going to say it, but I didn't. It's like, eh, maybe too much. Um, mm, and then James never appeared. enough. So, um... No, never be how, afraid to berate the audience. <laughs> <laughs> no, right. um, how did you feel about Moraine's beration of Agalmar when he's talking about, you know, charging into the blasted lands and leveling Sheogul? Well... Again, sort of like the soldiering position, not not seeing things for not not seeing the wider picture. That um would probably end up being like you know that there's better uses for it than uh, what Akamar had in mind initially. What's the use of the horn? Yeah. No. What is the? What, I'm asking you. What the? What is the use of the horn? Like what it actually does, or like it what like it could be used for. Yes, to all the above. Well, it summons the. Well, like when you call the horn, doesn't it summon, uh, like people from the deity to assist in fighting the dark one? It'd be basically the equivalent of blowing the horn and having Hercules step out, King Arthur, you know, basically the legends of the ages, if you will. That have died, been reborn, died, been reborn, died, reborn, etc. So the yep. people that are heroes or heroic in nature are summoned back. But what are they summoned back for? Stop the dark one. Not necessarily true. I don't, I don't know, man. It's just sometimes. What do you want from me? It's, it's its purpose is to summon the heroes of the wheel, the heroes of legend, etc., to fight for whoever um, blows the horn. At least that—that's the typical thought process of every person. So every person wants to blow it and whatnot. But there's also other things like. Let no person who blows this horn, you know, have thoughts of glory and whatnot, because it's it's not for glory, so to speak. It's for a purpose. So it's kind of, 
So it's kind of like a monkey's paw where, you know, there's negative ramifications if you use it or... Not so, sorry, like sorry, monkey's paw was it like a monkey's paw was it like a poor example, but basically, just say like you have to like have it like a defined focus on like what you want to achieve and all that. Like you have to well, focus your mind I on think a single thing. It's one of those weird things where it doesn't explicitly state yet, like what happens. So, like, let's say you're like, okay, I want to blow the horn right this instant. Well, if your mind is of pure and whatnot, and you're like, I want to do this for the right reasons, does it summon them? But what happens if your mind does not have pure reasons, and you have evil intentions? What will happen? If you're wanting to summon it to fight for the light, what will happen? If you want to summon it for the shadow, what will happen? These are things that it doesn't go into detail about so far. And it's kind of like leaving that in the air. Like, you never know what could happen to this. This this could have some crazy ramifications. But is it something that, you know, if you're not work, if you're not for the light, it won't work at all? Is it if you have dreams of grandeur and, you know, hero, uh, heroic tales being told about you will it not work you know those kind of things that you just don't think about really yeah so so sort of just say like an artifact too dangerous to use not necessarily now there's a prophecy around the horn of alier and the prophecy always involves ilion and that's why the ilion has the, the great hunt for the horn um so it's It has its purpose, it has its place, and it has its prophecy to kind of, like, give you an idea of what you're supposed to do with what. It's just, that's why Moraine's pushing it to go to Ilion. Is like, this is part of the prophecy, this is part of this deal. Like, this is a big deal because X, Y, and Z. Um, but yeah. Uh, let me see if there's anything else before we move on. I'm. This is a very short chapter, so I'm trying to squeeze as yeah, much out of it as I can. <laughs> I mean, yeah, we're, we're probably just bringing this one out. So, now that we basically have beat that horse dead, um, let's, let's try finishing this up without rushing it, <laughs> if that's possible. So, uh, after Agomar's severe disappointment, we got a week passing by. So the bells are still ringing in Faldara. Um, people have returned from Falmoran, the capital, and they're celebrating alongside the soldiers now. And, you know, everyone's singing and dancing and shouting, and the bells are going off, and even on the balcony that Rand's standing, and it's checking out Agomar's private gardens, and they're flowering, and it's this gorgeous deep green, and He's not even looking at him. He's looking up into the sky and he's experiencing the cool springs that Shinar has. And it's much cooler than he's used to. Um, but he's still sweating from apparently swinging his Heron Mark blade around and, you know, testing himself and whatnot. Um, every time he's moving, he's, you know, 
practicing more and more precise techniques and wielding it to be, you know, somewhat better of a a better swordsman than he was prior, like when they were being chased in Shader Logoth or something. Um, but he's wondering, like, you know, in his in his mind, in the back of his mind, he's wondering if this town would still have much joy if they knew of the banner that Moraine's hiding. Um, but against the wall, you got Lan watching him and critiquing him and his fluid motions and whatnot. He's like, yeah, you're, you're doing good, Sheep Herder. You're doing pretty good. At a, very good. But you're pushing yourself a bit hard and you're not going to become a blade master in a few weeks. And Rand was holding on to the void and it just vanishes like a bubble popped. And he's like, I don't care about being a blade master. He's like, well, it's a blade master's blade, Sheep Herder. You might want to care. He's like, I just want my father to be proud of me. I'm like, well, that's never going to happen. Uh, <laughs> too soon? Love, love, uh, <laughs> Um, But, yeah, it's like, you don't even know who your father is. Oh. Um, will he ever find out? Join us on a 15-book adventure. Um, but, yeah, he's, you know, Titans is... A rough leather hilt on his waist and whatnot and he's like in his mind he's thinking i just want tam to be my father and it's like well it's not a bad thing per se but maybe a little bit more to it than that would probably be more of a substantial relationship but he you know shoves the sword into the scabbard and he's like anyway i don't have a couple weeks and then lance like well did you change your mind or not change your mind and he's like would you and Lan's face has not changed. And he's like, you're not going to try to stop me. You or Moraine Sedai. And he's like, hey, you can do as you will, Sheep Herder, or the pattern weaves for you. And then the water stands up and he's like, I'll leave you for now. And then as Lan go, like, just leaves him alone, um, he sees Egwene standing there. And she's like, what did you change your mind about, Rand? And I'll have you pick this part up. Snatched up his ear shirt and coat, suddenly feeling the cool. I'm going away, Egwene. Where? Somewhere. I don't know. He did not hear want to meet her eyes, but he could not hear stop looking at her. She wore fatty wild ear roses ear twined in her hair, flowing about her shoulders. She held in her cloak her clothes. Dark, dark blue and embroidered along the edge with a thin line of your white flowers near the Shinaran Shinaran fashion and the blossoms he made a line of line straight up to her face you were no paler than her cheeks her eyes seemed to be so large and dark away I'm sure Marines are die will he not hear like you just going off after after what you've done, you deserve some reward. Rainy does not know you are. No, I am alive. Have you done you what he, she wanted? That's an end to it. She doesn't even need to speak to me when I go to her. 
Not that I've here try not that I've here tried to get to stay close to her, but she's avoided me. She won't care if I go. And I don't care if she does. Lorraine is easterly, not completely well, Rand. She hesitated. I have to go to Tarvon for my training. Nynaeve is coming too. A man is still in easy to be a beheel to you if we whatever binds him to that dagger. And Perrin wants to see Tarvelin before he goes. Wherever. You could come with us. And wait for something I said die, besides Moraine to find out who I am and gentle me? His voice was rough, almost a sneer. He could not change it. Is that what you want? No. He knew he would he never be able to tell her how grateful he was he that he she had he not hesitated before answering. And you aren't afraid. They were alone, but she looked around and they still lowered her voice. Rain's dice says you don't have to touch the true source. If you don't touch Sidine, if you don't try to wield the power, you'll be safe. Oh, I won't ever touch it again. Not if I have here to cut my hand off first. What if I can't stop? I never tried to wield it. Not even out the eye. What if I can't stop? And disaster, I just lost my place. <laughs> <laughs> it's right after, uh, what if I can't stop? <laughs> I, I, will you go home, Rand? Your father must be dying to see you. Even Matt's father, he must be dying to see him by now. I'll be coming back here to Emmons Field next year. For a little while, at least. Rubbed his palm over the hilt of his sword, feeling the bronze heron. My father. Home. Light. I want to see him. Not home. Someplace here. Someplace here where there aren't any people to hurt if I can't stop myself. Somewhere alone. Suddenly it felt as he called as he was snow on the balcony. I'm going away, but not home. Egwene. Egwene. Why did you have to be one of the... One of those. He put his arms around her and whispered in into her hair. Not even home. So, what was what was the first thing kind of popped in your head when you like read this, like the entire, however many paragraphs? <laughs> um, I, I found it kind of strange that um. Rand is even just given the choice to, you know, just go. Mm, no. I, I know, well, it's just that, like, I know that, you know, the whole Tiviran thing, he is sort of free from the design of fate or what have you. The pattern. Yeah, just anything that, you know, fate, like, everything's up in the air, but... I'm kind of surprised to hear that, you know, Moraine isn't, like, pressuring him or, like, sort of trying to coax him into, you know, going to Tarvalin. But what would benefit him than going to Tarvalin? 
Well, it's not so much what would benefit him, we see what would benefit the world. Well, what would benefit the world? Uh, not having a... Not potentially having a false dragon around. Possibly. But you've already read the chapter. You know what comes next. Yeah, well, I know that, but he, like... <laughs> it, it's... <laughs> well, when I, when I was reading it, it's still the whole thing of... You know... He can touch. He can touch the true source. Yeah, he, he can know. use. Yeah, he can use the one power, and you know, previously, false dragons could do that, but then they just proved themselves to you know be madmen. Well, yes, but here's the thing. It is not particular. Like the ability to channel, Sayadeen is not limited to certain people it's not like oh you get it because you know your family's wealthy or you get it because your family's poor it's not because of anything it's just certain people get the ability like they either have the spark in them or they learn to do it over time whatever it is it anybody could have it and in all likelihood more people have it and just haven't bounced onto it like hey I'm going to actively use this so they don't realize they have to, so they haven't actively touched the source in a way that would start the snowball, so to speak. So if they only find, you know, five people in 20 years, well, the rate at which people are found that have the ability to channel is way beyond that. It's just the people that have in the past, like the ones that they were mentioned, like where Amal Urien Stonebow, Davian, Loghain, etc. Those guys claimed to be the dragon reborn. Or, in the short, the dragon reborn. Um, and they were false dragons, right? So, there has to be a dragon at some point. And it's going to devastate the world according to the prophecies. But prophecies are not always cut and dry, black and white, simplistic. So what could be good for the world? Well, some could argue, based off of the prologue and everything, that the dragon being captured and gentled would be good for the world. However, if the dragon is supposed to go toe-to-toe -to -toe with the Dark One again, gentling him is the worst thing you could possibly do to it. That would be the worst impactful for the world so it's a matter of perspective and what the the prophecy actually says because again it's not always just cut and dry and whatnot so when it says what's good for the world well what is good for the world it could be good for the world that a lot of people die because a lot of people will be saved as opposed to good for the world that one person is stopped and the whole world survives but only temporarily you know like it's it's, it's yeah. that balance of, like, what is actually good, what is not good, and who's deciding what is and isn't good. Well, the prophecy determines the actual goodness of what it is. Like, will he actually stop the Dark One? Will he join the Dark One? Will he be killed? Will he, you know, burn himself out? Will he uh, be stopped by somebody else and somebody else gentles him and stops him from ever being able to channel again? Like, all these things come into play as this is what people 
think in their own heads, their own head canon, so to speak, about the prophecies, that this is what is actually best. And they pick that and say, this is what needs to be done. So those who see the dragon when he's reborn, they're going to be like, we need to stop that person for the sake of the world. And the other ones will see it and say, we need to follow him and join him for the sake of the world. So it's this weird thing where they both have the same goal, the sake of the world being preserved, but how they go about it, either opposing or aligning with the dragon is the main difference. So in this case, you're thinking that Moraine wants to uh, get him to Tarvalon. Well, if that was the case, couldn't she just, you know, shield him and take him to Tarvalon? <laughs> like not give him a say. It, I think I think there's probably like complications to simply just like you know just stuffing him in a sack and just dragging him there. <sighs> if only you knew. Um, okay. <laughs> <laughs> like, if you want to know what actually happens, you cannot stop this series because it's there are a lot of cool stuff and a lot of terrifying stuff that come about because of a lot of domino effects. And it's going to enthrall you. Guaranteed. Um, but, albeit with this conversation with Egwene, Egwene is one of those women, you know? <laughs> I don't need to say any more than that. Um, and Rand is not fond of those kind of women at the moment. Perhaps even ever. I don't know if there's a point where time where he wasn't, or that he was fond of them. Um, Moraine's still recovering after even a week of being back and she doesn't have an Aes Sedai to heal her and she can't heal herself so there's that um, Matt and Perrin kind of a, they're oblivious to what's going on or they have a different role to play entirely um and they're just like, let's, you know, Matt's got to go to the tower, so let's get him to the tower and get him healed before the dagger tries to come back and he tries to go on a stabbing spree. And then we also have, you know, we got to get the, the horn to Ilion. Perrin wants to see the little bit of the world before he goes home, but he does want to go home. Um, and then Egwene and I need want to go to the tower and learn to channel and whatnot. So, like, there's there's a lot to kind of put together, if you will. Yeah, so, there's quite a few perspectives that could be taken. And that's part of the fun of the series is that they, there's even more. And they will always spawn more perspectives and more perspectives and more perspectives. And it seems like a giant ball of string just got flung everywhere. But it's not poorly done entirely. Like there are some points where, you know, just like what is going on? I'm losing track of everything, but for the most part, it's a very well thought out where masterfully put together uh, story. So it's definitely something that you just kind of have to stick with. Um, but in terms of like, um, this particular, uh, conversation about not touching the source or whatever. Like he's, he's realizing like, Oh, I'm not going to touch it. And it's like, but what if I can't not touch it? 
What if I can't help but touch it? And he wants to see his father and he wants to go home and he wants everything to return back to the way it was, but he realizes in his mind he can't. Um, what about that? Anything like that struck in court or something? Well, the, see, this is kind of the thing that, like, it's a very open end. Or, like, kind of. There's usually so many avenues either that he, like, Rand can pursue. Or just say, like, here's so many directions here that the story can actually go in post this. So? <laughs> well, the thing is here that, again, I don't really have my heart set on anything, like... I don't know. I think here that eventually... Rand will end up here, like, having to go to Half Island for some reason or another, or something is going to end up driving him there. Okay. Whether it's a, like, whether or not it's his own choice, or if events transpire against him. Okay. Hmm. Interesting. Well, let's continue then. So, meanwhile, <laughs> I feel like the TV guy. Meanwhile, in Agomar's private garden, under a thick bower dotted with white blossoms. <laughs> Sorry. So, Moraine's shifted in her, on her bed chair, you know. She's holding the little fragment pieces of the seal of the Dark One in her lap. And she has a small gem that she wore on her, in her hair occasionally that's glittering on its gold chain. Um, from the end of her fingers. There's a faint blue glow fading from the stone, and she she has a, like, a little smile on her, on her face. And um, the stone itself doesn't have any power, but the first time she'd ever learned of the one power as a little girl in the royal palace of Kyrian, uh, she was using the stone to listen to people who thought they were too far off to be overheard. The prophecies will be fulfilled, the Aes Sedai whispered. The dragon is reborn. Mic drop. <laughs> so, what about that little piece there? Uh, that just changes everything. Does it, though? I don't know, maybe. Well, you made comments knowing that this well, is going to happen, so... Well, you know, it's pretty clear that she's talking about Rand here. It is? Well, who else could it be? Unless he like this is just you know, the foundations of pulling a fast one over us. You have been bamboozled. Yes, I, I don't know. Just layers within the layers, wheels spinning within wheels. Just can't hope to see the design that is being played out before us. Well, I mean, think but about I, it. There's, there's. I'm going the... to just. Go, I'm just going to go with the obvious thing that you know, Rand actually is the chosen one. Well, the dragon reborn, but yeah. Um, I mean, think about the point of coincidence and how the pattern is pulling things, and you have three! Three! Not one, not two, three! <laughs> you have three Taviran in the same location. It's like pulling 
all the stops with, you know, all the fate and stuff like that. Like you're, you're pulling out all the stops to basically get what you want as the pattern to put into play. So we've got the Taviran landing in the place that can't be found twice when they have a person there who's already been there. And the eye of the world gets consumed, leaving behind a chest with the horn of Valir in it, and also leaving behind a banner of the dragon. And the horn has to be used in the last battle in some shape or form, which means the horn's been found, which means the last battle is showing up at some point more sooner rather than later. You have the dragon reborn or the dragon's banner, the dragon banner, if you will, um, is, is found. So then you have this last line, literally the last line before you get to the end of the first book of the wheel of time, obviously, um, that says the prophecies will be fulfilled. The acid I whispered, the dragon is reborn. This is a lot of coincidence, but here's the wonderful thing about the wheel of time and the pattern and all that stuff is that there aren't like coincidences. There are threads that are pulled together around Taviran. So it's not just that they conveniently found them plot holes. <laughs> it's like, this is literally the pattern is trying to bring this stuff to light and the dark ones trying to prevent it from coming to light and other forces, albeit probably not being aware of things are also preventing it from happening the way it wants to. So keeping all that in mind, it's a bit of a crazy thing going on. So does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. Uh, anything else? before we move on like do you have anything about the whole chapter entirely because i mean again it's not a very long chapter but we might have squeezed it yes. out it's a very very short chapter um yeah I, I literally have no idea like where things are going to go next so you have no predictions for book number two well, where can it go like literally it could go anywhere so. down always down <laughs> <laughs> I know. It's, it's my, you'll see a book opens with Ryan's just getting killed horribly. It's like, well, folks, that was fun. Go home. Nothing to see here. And then he, yeah, just see the entire series after that point is just here. Then the like, dark one enslaving the world. <laughs> well, you know, still like how kind of walking back from that, he's sort of explaining situation after situation that eventually ended with Rand getting horribly killed, but then. Turns out I didn't because it was all a fast one and everything is so horribly concluded. And I'm just like, what What did you bring me into, Justin? Just why? Why I, did you do this to I, me? I feel like you shouldn't write books. That's what I feel like. <laughs> nah. Nah. But, well, if you're not going to have any predictions, I guess we'll leave the fun for later. Um, yeah. So we're planning on doing a special episode, aren't we? Yes, we are. Ooh, special episodes. I love special episodes. Um, But yeah, so that was the end of the first book of The Wheel of Time. You have finally made it, good sir. Yes, so I have. So now you have to survive another one. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, I guess we'll wrap it up for this episode and uh, save all the goodies for the next one.
Um, I, I mean, this is technically the end of the first season, but it's not necessarily when you include special episodes and whatnot. They're kind of fillers, but they're usually attached to a season. So season two will start when we start The Great Hunt, um, which is book number two. And so until then, thanks all for hanging out with us for season one. We have thoroughly enjoyed uh, entertaining you <laughs> and uh, discovering things all over the place. Um, but uh, do you want to do the shilling this time since you haven't got to do it lately? Or... Uh, okay. time, time for mistakes to happen. Well, I mean, I didn't want to talk about you that morally, but... Come on. We, we both know I'm trying to mess this up. <laughs> All right, go for it, good sir. So, if you wish you to reach out to us, you can re find us on social media. Um, we are on Facebook and Twitter. Uh, Facebook is he just he tells a bread arm. Twitter is at tales of a red arm. And if you wish to reach out here to us privately, you can reach us at Gmail with at tales of red armed at gmail.com. Uh, at the Twitter and Facebook uh, profiles, I think one or the other, you can find a link to our new Discord server where you can also reach us there if you're so inclined. Yep. So many screw ups. Yeah. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> if, you, if you just say, like, have any like questions, any questions about here like our thoughts on the series on the series or just like personal questions or like personal insights feel free to ask them we will endeavor to get back to you and if you if it's like an appropriate talking point you know we might feature in in a future episode at some point but um yeah i don't think of anything else yeah so uh we do want to thank you guys again thoroughly about uh joining us on our crazy quest to do all 15 books chapter by chapter but we're not doing too bad so I'm, I'm thinking pretty positive thoughts about this but we do want to thank you guys for coming along for the ride and uh for hopefully enjoying the series and hopefully you guys have learned something so if you guys have learned something new that you didn't know or this is your first time and you're actually like excited about the details of this series then let us know we'd love to hear about it um, if you guys ever, you know, tell your friends about it and they're interested in jumping in and joining the conversation, then we'd love to hear that too. And, you know, let us know who, who brought you in. If somebody else is like, yeah, my buddy got me in. So that's how I started listening and it's pretty fun. Um, but yeah, we, we'd love to hear from you guys and we love you guys to continue on season two with us and, all the way up to season 15, I suppose. Um, I'm not sure what we're going to do after that point because it's so far out in the future, but um, hopefully it'll be a, a fun fun journey one way or the other. So I guess uh hope you guys join us for any special episodes we pop out and eventually for season two. So uh, we'll look forward to hearing from you guys and that you join us. Until then.
drink all night and dance all day, and on the girls will spend our pay, and when we're done, then we'll away to dance with Jack of the Shadows. We'll toss the dice however they fall, and struggle the girls be they short or tall, and follow young Matt wherever he goes to dance with Jack of the Shadows. We'll toss the dice however they fall, and struggle the girls be they short or tall, then follow Lord Matt wherever he goes to dance with Jack of the Shadows. We'll give a yell with a bloody curse And hug the maids, it could be worse Let's ride away with the dark woods first To dance with Jack of the Shadows Here yeah. yeah. yeah.